0: This is the Bartholomew Town
1: Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome into to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. It's Bill Bartholomew here with you, as I am, for new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And, of course, we've got the back catalog of more than 300 episodes at ripodcast.com, Spotify, or wherever you like to get shows. Okay, today we welcome Dr. Magnus Thorson of Johnson & Wales University, where they're offering a cannabis entrepreneurship program at the university. So we get into what exactly his program entails, what the students are going to learn, and where the origins of this came from, which is very interesting. But then also a broad discussion on, I propose the question, is Rhode Island ready for the inevitable for cannabis legalization from a business standpoint, from a social justice standpoint? There's so much to this. It's so much more than just flipping the switch. We talk about the workforce development that is going to take place as a result of cannabis legalization here in the area, and frankly, the money That we're missing out on right now. And we've got Massachusetts moving towards a point where they're going to be offering home delivery fairly soon, while Rhode Island hasn't even gotten to a point of general recreational legalization yet. So, Governor McKean recently said that he is looking for, quote unquote, the best possible bill on this, that he is looking for more of an entrepreneurial angle. Um, This may get bumped to the fall, folks. This may be something that the General Assembly resumes in. In, reconvenes, I should say, in, in the fall, and it goes through then. But it does seem inevitable. There's enormous support um, in, in both chambers and, and likely inside the governor's office as well. So a pleasure to have Dr. Thorson here on the program to break all this down with us and talk about the program that JWU is offering right here in Providence. By the way, folks, if you want to help support this independent outlet, Bartholomew Town, offering opinion analysis journalism and entertainment well there's a few ways you may do so of course just share this or any other episode on social media or talk about the show that's how we've built this whole thing up there's been no ad spends or no billboard signs or any of that nonsense if you want to go a step further join our patreon account patreon.com slash bartholomewtown or just click the support link wherever you're listening right now you'll get exclusive content and you'll be supporting the bedrock of this operation patreon.com slash bartholomewtown Okay, let's get to it. Talking cannabis business and the education thereof with Dr. Magnus Thorson of Johnson & Wales University. Okay, so today we're talking about something that is, look, I mean, the reality is that when you you talk about cannabis, there are so many elements to it. There's obviously the social justice and equity conversation. There's the just getting out of the way of, of human rights, frankly, element of it. But there's a big business side to it as well. And there's an industry that is well underway um, that has been underground, quote unquote, for decades and is now surfaced to the point where we're talking about a multi 1000000000 dollar industry. And so I guess let's kind of get right into what you're doing, what your role is and, and sort of the educational piece of that and, and where you see this industry going here in Rhode Island.
0: Well, so. The, the, the conversation the conversation really started at Johnson & Wales about cannabis entrepreneurship or, or my idea for cannabis um, infusion into the curriculum, uh, no pun intended. But, um, you know, I brought it up because my students were starting to ask, you know, can we do our project on a cannabis restaurant, a cannabis infused bakery, um, a butt and breakfast? And, you know, I, I saw the interest emerge from the students and I said, OK, let's see um, what opportunities there are for education. And <clears throat> sort of a, a, a my first glance um, at the marketplace to see where one would go for education. The only thing I came up with now, keep in mind, this is 2018, yeah. 2017, 18. Um, there was a university uh, sort of a certificate program available in Amsterdam, and outside of that, there was nothing. Nothing. There was some conversation about the you know the big ag schools were 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 talking uh, about hemp because the conversation uh, in the House and Senate about legalizing uh, you know non psychoactive hemp uh, as an agricultural product had emerged. And hemp, uh, the conversation was mostly about hemp as a solution to climate change uh, or as, you know, a, a, a solution for economic development in areas that had, you know, gone through a transition. So, so all that to say, there was really nothing in the educational um, category that dealt with cannabis or, or hemp, um, and, and I thought that, you know, seeing that there was an interest from my students, um, seeing that we were heading towards legalization, um, I figured there'd be an opportunity here.
1: Certainly is. And I mean, of course, you're referencing the farm bill, which which ultimately legalized hemp. And and now we see the proliferation of CBD products. I mean, at any gas station you go to, you're going to see honey sticks and this and that and the other. And from an entrepreneurial standpoint, especially whether you're talking about the culinary arts or just broadly speaking, there's there's a tremendous opportunity for people to get involved in. We're waiting to see now. Governor McKee recently said last last week we're taping here in early June. So last week, late May or something, early June, he said that he's looking to sign a bill that does encourage more of an entrepreneurial element than like a state run good example might be the New Hampshire liquor stores type of model. Um, What's your sense about how your students are going to be able to get into this industry, let's say, in the next five years? Is there an opportunity for somebody to enter in and know that there's going to be a legal state or even federal uh, marketplace for them to engage some of these ideas you just referenced and beyond?
0: Well, we're we're already seeing it. We're already seeing students, uh, current students that are studying management or hospitality, that are uh, already working in the cannabis industry. So, so that's it's not that's not hard to see. Yeah, um, you know, conference that I attended to doing my research before we launched the program. I ran into former students, I ran into current students who were working in the industry. So, um, you know, from a jobs perspective, you know, when, I, when, when the program launched in November, the job outlook was pretty bleak uh, worldwide. Um, but, uh, you know, just one store in Attleboro, Massachusetts, our, the closest one to, uh, to the campus had just hired 200 people. When everyone was laying people off, and actually they said, they reported serendipitously that when restaurants closed and laid their bar staff off, they hired them because they say here are people that are already trained to use the POS system, the point of sale system. Uh, here are people who um, have um, you know the ability to provide customer service, interact with the public. Um, you thank you very much hospitality industry you've already trained them for us we're happy to take them so yeah that was a very very easy transition and what what our our uh partners or industry partners are reporting is that they need people at all levels. it's not just butt tenders it's uh people who are willing to take a managerial role production role um, so there's Human resource. Uh, there was a huge de- demand for human resource professionals to, uh, you know, go through applications and process people as they were being hired. So, yeah, there's, there's. Uh, it's not very hard for uh, me to envision how my students are going to take advantage of this. Um, you know, so, so that's one side of the story. Is is the employment. The other side of the story is opportunities when it comes to opening up their own business. And we see people, as you say, um, gas stations, uh, any retail outlet is going to offer the CBD product. But you also see people who are, um, you know, learning uh, intricate parts of the extraction that happens, and they're infusing it into their favorite pastries. Um, They're infusing it into confectionery. Um, you know, one, one of our industry partners asked me, you know, would it, would it, would it be appropriate for us to ask if you could uh, talk to your colleagues at the Culinary College and get us somebody who has a background in confectionery? And I said, absolutely. We're interested in them getting well-paying jobs. So, yeah, of course. So, um, all that to say uh, there is opportunities both for them as employers, as employees, and as operators.
1: And you mentioned hospitality. You know, it's not something that I've heard the the Rhode Island Hospitality Association, Dale Venturini and so forth here in Rhode Island discuss very much. You know, they're they're focused right now on restaurants, obviously hotels, conventions, so on and so forth. This seems like, you know, the elephant in the room to me. It's like we have the opportunity within months. We should. I mean, this may be pushed to the fall in the Rhode Island General Assembly, it does seem, in terms of cannabis legalization and and what Dan McKee, the governor, may sign. But sometime in the next year, this is going to be legal in Rhode Island. Is Rhode Island ready for this industry?
0: I think Rhode Island has been ready for this industry. We've had um, we've had a dispensary in Providence for uh, a, a decade or more. Um, we have dispensaries, they're, they're circling the wagon, if, so to speak. Yep. We have them in Attleboro and, and we have them in, in other towns in Massachusetts. Um, it's just, it's, just a, it's an important thing for us to be proactive as a small state. Um, you know, when we're surrounded by business opportunity, but we're not letting it in, uh, that's not going to be good for us. So, uh, yes, we're ready. Uh, the question is, how fast are we willing to take it? In other words, are we willing to do on, uh, on-site on consumption license? Are we willing to talk about that now? Yeah. Because are, you know, we're going to be catching up. Are we willing to talk about home delivery? Yep. Because by the time that we start talking about just legalizing, Massachusetts is going to be doing home delivery. And, um, you know, if, if the governor, if we are concerned with being a pro-business, entrepreneurially-minded state, we need to, you know, get our, get our act together and be ready for a full, uh, a, a, you know, a full uh, open with, with cannabis.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, there's obviously no shortage of, of customers. I mean, just anecdotally, you can say that. You can go to Nova Farms or Northeast Alternatives or Solar Therapeutics in Massachusetts and see the amount of Rhode Island plates there at any given point in time. And when you look at the dispensary program, you know, it is, you know, again, there are absolutely there are thousands of people who have a legitimate medical uh, condition that allows that, that cannabis in any form assists them manage pain, quality of life, so on and so forth. Let's be honest, though, there are tons of people who have medical cards here in Rhode Island, or they kind of use the back door and they get the California card that really don't have a medical condition. They're just looking to partake in it from a, from a recreational or however you want to put it standpoint. They're clogging up the lines at essentially pharmacies um, and, and where they should be diverted into that other sector of recreation. So we've got to get to a point now where the infrastructure can meet the demand and it's 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 got to be turnkey, as you say, because otherwise we're going to be in a position where we're just catching up with Massachusetts, and you'll still see a loss of revenue to our neighbors
0: yeah and 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 you bring up a good point, you know, clogging up the medical system I mean think about it we we're just stepping out of a a a pandemic um where I think ninety nine percent of the populace qualifies. Is having anxieties, which right. is one of the one of the things that cannabis is often uh, prescribed for. Um, yeah, you're right. We, we should we should uh, work towards uh, turnkey operations. I mean, I've seen um, I've, I've read through the legislation. The legislation is well written. Um, the legislation is is based on the best practices. And the learning that we've seen from other states that have legalized it—if um, you look at the literature of, uh, you know, what are the adverse effects of legalization—I um, read through—I um, read through quite a bit of the literature coming out of Colorado, which was one of the first to permit uh, recreational. Um, and the only thing—the only thing that struck me was that people of Colorado were now just telling the truth. Yeah. You know, when they went to the emergency room, they said, well, I had some, you know, bad, bad food or something when they had ingested marijuana. Uh, Now people just tell the truth when they go. But, you know, if you look at the metadata, if you look at, you know, has the has the rate of of car accidents increased, has the rate of hospitalization increased, has the rate of death increased? There's been no change in the death statistic, number one, and the hospitalization statistics has not changed. And most people who, who use cannabis recreationally are not getting into car accidents. So they're, they're, you know, all the things that, that we, uh, or we, when people, people put out there as detractors from uh, full recreational legalization, They've been proven wrong or they've been dis, you know, disarmed, if you will. So there's nothing stopping us, really.
1: I want to go inside the classroom, go inside the program and take a look at what a student who engages in this program would would experience. We'll do that right after we take a quick break right here on the Bartholomew Town Podcast, Rhode Island's podcast of record. Folks, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Bill Bartholomew and join the Bartholomew Town Podcast Facebook group for daily Rhode Island discussions, digital content, and much more. Johnson and Wales, you've got a student. They enroll in your class. They have an interest maybe at a very deep level where they envision themselves as getting involved in a, in a long-term goal of the of of cannabis-related business, or perhaps they just want to get a flavor for what the industry looks like for something else they're going to do. They may have to interact with the industry or just general curiosity, whatever. Take us inside your classroom, your program, and what it what it would be like for a student who is coming in with no experience whatsoever in this industry.
0: So, so first, let's let's if we talk about the the program from a thirty thousand uh, foot view, um, we have a business core that focuses on general business practices and operations, marketing, accounting economics and such um, then we have then we have the cannabis specific courses and the the uh, the the two courses that are taught in the College of business are cannabis entrepreneurship and small business cannabis operations so they're they're, they're, they're two different courses so the the entrepreneurship course we talk about on uh, cannabis from the start. This is a student who has um, no exposure to cannabis on a scientific level. Um, We we start, so it's a a 16-week course, uh, a normal semester course. The first um, four to six weeks are dedicated to the history of uh, the phenology of the plant, um, you know, the human interaction with cannabis how has cannabis uh, affected culture politics um, you know we talk about um, the 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 um, the the ban on cannabis what were the what was the impetus for uh, banning uh, cannabis and we are going to talk about social justice we're going to focus on the racial inequities and how cannabis has been used as a tool um, to suppress people of color, uh, Latinx and and African-Americans in in the United States. Um, We are going to talk about social justice, what has been done wrong, and what are some of the tools that are available to us to to, um, improve life With cannabis, I mean, I was just going through some. I was going through some documents looking in preparation for our conversation, and what has happened now that we have legalized cannabis and taxed it is we're using the tax revenue for good for good things. So for education, um, for workforce development, for economic development, and if you think about it, all that all that money is is just going now for nefarious things. Uh, but when it gets legal, you can start to collect the taxes and use them. I mean, the state of California just collected a billion dollars additionally in tax. Massachusetts, $118 million in 2020. So we're watching that money in Rhode Island go uh, in the underground or, or, or you know, uh, Transferred to illegal operations. Anyway, going back to the classroom. So we're going to talk about all that open-eyed, and then we get into how to uh, identify a uh, a sellable product, a value-added product, and how to develop and build up a business around that. So, so basically, if you have an idea that you want to do, you know, cannabis or THC-infused uh, coffee drinks, and you want to make that your, your value-added product, then let's talk about how do we build a business plan that's going to actually make sense, you know, not, not based on, you know, uh, dreams and, and wishes, but actual dollars and cents and numbers. So, that's, that's, uh, that's the entrepreneurship course. The small business uh, operations, cannabis small business operations, is for those who are already uh, come with competencies in culinary arts or baking pastry, whatever whatever their uh, competency is, and they would like to take advantage of this business opportunity and infuse it into what they're already doing. So... But both courses are going to address issues of social justice. They are going to talk about the racial inequities that have been, you know, largely driven, you know, by this this, uh, prohibition on cannabis.
1: Yeah, one of my best friends is, is Jamaican. And one thing that he would always say, I've heard him say this literally like 10 times in the course of 15 years, the poster that one out of every ten college kids has on their wall of Bob Marley with a with a huge split has done more damage to his culture and his people than than, than almost anything else. Just the mentality out there that, oh yeah, you know, cannabis it's 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 associated it's with an illegal activity and then that therefore is associated with people of color. And you know, his thing is get let's get those posters down as part of this broad <laughs> You know, cleanup, and it, he's he's right. And now the narrative is shifting to no, no, no. Cannabis is associated with smart entrepreneurial thinking. Um, not even in terms of medicinal or recreational conversations, but who's involved in it. And then, so in turn, there has to be a significant equity piece in terms of of restorative um, justice in communities that are most impacted by by this. Is that something that is taught at Johnson and Wales?
0: Well, it's certainly something that's a front of my mind, and, and we will talk about it. You know, um, I, was, I was an elected official in Vermont, and mm-hmm. um, as such, I enacted uh, um, option tax regulation um, that basically brought revenue to our municipality that we used for marketing and beautification. Well, the bill, as it's written in Rhode Island, includes a 3% option tax for those municipalities that don't opt out. That 3%, um, you know, could be used or should be used, in my opinion, to workforce development, economic development, education for the communities that have been adversely impacted by uh, the war on drugs. The war on drugs has wreaked havoc in our communities of color, and here is an opportunity for us as a people to uh, to do right for, for the individuals in our community that have been adversely affected. Now, we can't undo uh, uh, 40, 50 years of uh, unjust policing, but we can Take the, the the revenue that comes in from cannabis sales and funnel it into uh, education. We can help people who are coming out of the prison system. Uh, we can help them adjust to society. We can help them with job training. We can you know we can train them to be heating, ventilation, and air conditioning uh, installers. Uh, you know, con- contractors. They don't have to necessarily go to college, but we can give them the job skills uh, to better the community, to improve the lives of the people that have been negatively impacted. So, yeah, I, I, that that's going to be part of the conversation because we are educating the entrepreneurs of the future. We are educating the people that are going out into the community and we want them to be community-minded.
1: Absolutely. I- all, all such important stuff and 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 at this point in time it's it let, let's hope this legislation goes through and it, it's the best possible version of it I know there are a few different versions of the the cannabis bills out there right now let's hope that our our leaders find a way to get this done quickly and equitably and in a smart way for the state you know we, we we brainstorm about ideas for how to generate revenue and um you know there are great ones like the blue economy and and broad conversations but I mean, you look at the amount of, of farmland and the amount of consumers here in Rhode Island and the opportunity for, for entrepreneurial ideas in the hospitality industry and, and just in general, um, it seems like a no-brainer to me. And I'm shocked that it's taken this long. And, and, and hopefully with programs like yours, that stigma that somehow that like alcohol is totally great, you know, everybody let's get drinks, you know. Let's let's go get drinks. Let's do this. It's a corporate culture thing that you get to go get drinks. And somehow cannabis is buried as some sort of, you know, you're some kind of loser if you use it. Um, and, and let's hope that that broad generic narrative is corrected um, as all of these changes take place. And educational programs like yours are going to help quite a bit in terms of correcting that that false narrative.
0: Well, I mean, uh, you, you bring up an excellent point, and <clears throat> I'm happy to I'm happy to correct that for your listeners right now. Uh, you talk about alcohol, and we celebrate alcohol. When we win, we drink. When we lose, we drink. Um, you know, the United States, uh, uh, the CDC reports that 95,000 people died as as a result of alcohol use last year. 46,000 people died as a result of opioid overdose last year. Um, if you look through the literature uh, from the CDC, um, the only thing that they can say about cannabis is that it may be socially addictive. But there's zero zero fatalities, right? And so, so that's that's an important thing to know: zero fatalities, right? People talk about cannabis being a gateway drug, and you know what? They are absolutely right. It's a gateway drug to get people off alcohol and get people out of opioids. If you want to get people who are having issues with with lapsing on on drugs, cannabis is a way for people to dull pain. It's, uh, you know, 28% of our veterans uh, report to using cannabis to soothe their PTSD. Uh, we we need to. I mean, we we have this salvation that's been laying dormant, and we've been we've been suppressing it. The second thing I want to bring up um, to your to your point about you know we need to the the there's the blue economy, the green economy. Well, cannabis is the only only industry that I know that provides its own seed money. You talk about economic development than anything else. Farming, we're looking to philanthropic operations to provide us the seed money so that we can grow heirloom tomatoes, right? When we're cleaning our beaches, we're looking for philanthropic funds or federal funding. But when we're doing cannabis, it's self and And the state of Massachusetts, $118 million in tax revenue, additional tax revenue, to provide seed funding for whatever programs they want. So I mean if when you when you when you talk about it like that you're absolutely right. It's ludicrous that we're not jumping in and embracing.
1: Rhode Island's podcast of record, B Town.